Hey, thanks so much for your prayers uh, last week and since I returned from India. I did, I did go on ahead and get sick and get that out of the way for the year, so <laughs> that's good. But thanks so much for your prayers. It means so much and the calls and the cards and the, the chocolate pies that haven't quite arrived yet, but I know you're thinking about making me some, so feel free. I think it would make me feel so much better if I had a chocolate pie, but um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know what I'd like to do? You know, I've been reading these names every week, right? Or not every week, but in the last couple of months, and you got to understand, in the last couple of months, 18 people have given their lives to Jesus as Savior here. I mean, I mean I, and I know we, a lot of us get that. It's like, wow, are you serious? Like they just surrendered their life to Jesus. And I want to read their names. I'll just read their first name. Chris and Jordan and Jeremy and Corey and Greg, and Dan, and Bernardo, and Luann, and Bobby, and Christy, and Kyle, and Jessica, and Melissa, and Jim, and Mark, and Anne, and Justice. I like to say their names out loud because they're humans, they're people, and now they're going to heaven. I'd like you to raise your hand if you've been a Christian for a while and, and you would admit that it's hard. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, so look at that. Those of you guys just, just came to Christ earlier, recently, look, look at the hands up, okay? And mine's up too. It's hard. And some days, some days it, you feel like you're doing really well and other days you feel like, eh, not so much, huh? I'm not sure I got everybody's name. I feel like I'm missing a name on that list now that I look around. But anyway, here's what I'd like to ask you. Do me a big favor. You guys, you trust me, right? Look at this face. Come on. Yes, I know you do. That's the frightening part. I take that very seriously. But uh, I wondered if you guys, either whose name I just read, or if you have recently, you know, say in the last few months, come to Jesus as your Savior, could you come up so we could just say a prayer for you? Because we, we recognize that it's hard to do this, and we'd like to ask God to bless you and protect you and help you. So come, come on up, and I'm not going to smoke you out, because I know I'm looking at some of you, and I'm trying not to, because I'm not. Come on up. Yeah, there we go. That's what we need is we need, a, we need a rugged man to start, and that'll, once that gets going, everybody else will go, well, if he's going, I'm going, you know. <laughs> yeah, come on, thanks. Sorry, I guess I did smoke you out. Okay, come on up. Come on up. If you're in this service and there's, you know, there's maybe lots of you in the house, just make a little clump right here, okay, just like your family because you are. Okay, good. Anybody else want to get in on this? Maybe you maybe you're even kind of consider yourself, I, I'm a person who never really got off the ground. You know, I, I, I've known Jesus for some time, but I never really... They got traction. Come on up. Come on up. We'll pray for you. Okay. That's cool. Father, I just thank you for these guys. I thank you for their lives. I thank you that we get to go to heaven with them now. I thank you that you saved them and that you bless. I'm just going to kind of lightly put my hand on you. Okay. I pray for you. Just let the Spirit of the Lord just come and touch you guys and bless you. Bless you. Just bless you now, Bobby, in the name of Jesus. We recognize that it's hard. And we recognize that we have an enemy, an adversary. We'd like to just end everything that started, but in Jesus' name we say no, and we rebuke him. It's work in your life, and the old things that are kind of trying to come back, and sometimes they succeed, we just break their power now in the name of Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to bless you and fill you. Let's bless you and fill you now. Give you strength to walk this walk. Lord, we love these guys, and we love you for trusting us with them and their they're brothers and sisters to us now, so we ask your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's good. This is, this is just fun.
I love it when it's fun. How many of you have some idea of what your IQ is? I really don't know what mine is. I'm afraid to know. It's, they probably couldn't measure mine, you know. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what it is. I, I, think I'm, I'm, I think I'm about as ordinary as anybody else when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, it seems like when I was a kid growing up in California, there was emphasis on that. You know, there was a lot of comparison. And I don't, Remember when you were kids, did that happen out here too? A lot of emphasis on your IQ and stuff, which is, you understand is your intelligence quotient, which I think goes something like your, your, your like, uh, intelligence age or what you know divided by your chronological age, and so it should equal 100. It's, it's something like that, right? Would be the, am I right, Rick? You're the smartest person in the room, so I'm just going to ask you. So it's 100. It would be like the top of the bell curve should theoretically be 100, right? Okay. No, not the top of the bell curve. By saying that, I went too far, didn't I? The curve goes higher. You know, Phil, I think you are actually the smartest guy in the room, uh, so I probably should refer to you instead of your dad. Okay, maybe we could get together after, before the second service, so I can know what the heck I'm talking about when we get there. But um, how many of you know what your GQ is? Not gentlemen's quarterly, no, I know. I know, I can tell you dress right out of GQ there, uh, Chip. What is your GQ? I'm talking about your generosity quotient. Your generosity quotient. I mean, what if, you know how you grow as a Christian? I mean, we're into that, right? It, we don't, it doesn't happen all at once. And so as you advance, as you mature in age, certain things increase. Like we could talk about your PQ, your prayer quotient. You grow in prayer, yes? It doesn't happen all at once. Your WQ, Worship quotient. Is this real stuff that you guys know about? I thought I was making it up. Your uh, RQ. Relationship quotient, right? Because all these things grow, don't they? And so we could say, I'm at this, you know, and compared to everybody else, maybe you could do something like that, but what's your GQ? What's your generosity quotient? Because generosity is an, is an essential part of our lives as believers. We've got to get that. That God using us and speaking generosity through us is an essential part of our lives as believers. And it's as essential as praying, as worshiping, you know, as having relationship and being an authentic relationship, brother to brother, sister to sister. We could probably make a long list of cues, you know, things with something cues that talk about how we grow in this and, and how we're doing. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about improving your GQ, your generosity quotient, Turn to, in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, if you're brand new and don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can listen, and I'll put the, the, the super-focused parts up on the screen behind me throughout the next few minutes as I talk. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you do have your Bible and you're brand new to it, it's, uh, it's, about, uh, it's about, oh, three-sixteenths of an inch from the back. Okay? It's about that far. So don't... There you go. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And uh, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. Paul, if you don't know, is this really big shot. He's this big deal. And uh, he goes around, he plants churches, he leads people to Jesus, he fights a great fight. And then he writes back to the churches. He writes these letters back to the churches to help them because they're just, they're just getting going. They don't, they don't have somebody amazing like me there to help them out. And so Paul, ri- <laughs> wow. Paul, writes, uh, Paul writes these letters, and some of, this is one of them. And here he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace. And make sure you get that. Because this whole thing, he's setting it up. He says, what I'm going to talk to you is, is, is about grace. 
about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So he said that grace in the Macedonian churches, the application of grace, welled up in generosity. That because they experienced grace, they became generous. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints. So in order for them to, to give their money, to give their stuff, in order to help believers somewhere else, they, although they were poor, it says, that because they were experiencing grace, they, they pleaded, oh, come on, come on, I know, I know we won't have anything when we give this to you, but can't we just do it, please? Uh, off the hook. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So they first gave themselves to the Lord, experienced grace from God. It's all about grace. And as they did then, the result was an outflow of generosity. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Uh, But just as you excel in everything, look at verse 7. He says, just as you excel in everything, So whatever your life is about as a Christian, he says, I want you to excel. In faith, do you want to excel in faith? Yes. He says, in speech, do you want to excel in in speech, in in pure and holy speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us? He says, "See see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Grace of giving. And he says, see that, see that you don't neglect this as though it's kind of a cumbersome part of your walk with Jesus. You know, the whole tithing thing. We'll get to that in a second. I'll explain if you don't know what that word is. But the whole giving money thing, which, which uh, some of you are beginning to wonder, hey, is this money Sunday? Because you know that I, I teach on this subject exactly once a year, and it's in January, and you're beginning to go, is this money Sunday? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Money Sunday! So if you're a person who is here for the first time, you know, you're going to have this really skewed view of the church, especially if you're one of those people, you know, somebody's been begging you to come to the vineyard with you, and one of your excuses was, oh, they, all they want is my money. They're just going to talk about money. And uh, you're, you're going, oh, no, 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 he, he doesn't do that. And you're going to be 100% right today. And you're going to be able to hold that up uh, because it is an important part of what we do. I'm not trying to raise funds. I'm trying to raise disciples. Did you hear that? I'm not trying to raise money. God supplies the money for what we do through you and your discipleship. And missing generosity, the discipline of generosity as as an outflow of God's grace in you, is to neglect an essential part of your walk with Jesus. It would be so, so as to neglect prayer, so as to neglect worship, so as to neglect the Word, so as to neglect fellowship. And as we neglect any of these realities, we become weak, don't we? But as we experience the grace of God and say, flow out through me any way you want, and we include these things, we become strong. So today I want to talk to you about improving your generosity quotient. Why is this important, you ask? Go ahead. Well, because you need to give. Listen, I say without apology, you need to give your money to the church. Did you hear that? I'm seeing a lot of resistance. I'm seeing some people hunker down. You need to give your money to the church. It is part 
of your essential walk with Jesus. I'm trying to raise disciples here. And if I saw that the church wasn't praying, I would say, you need to pray. And you'd go, oh, you're right. You need to be in the Word. You'd go, oh, you're right. You need to be in fellowship. Oh, you're right. But I come and I say, you need to give. And you go, what? Well, I mean, isn't that a red flag right there? Shouldn't that, shouldn't that just say the devil's up to something here? And he's, he's, to the extent that he is being successful in keeping you from being generous, he's stepping on your air hose and you are not growing as a Christian as you should, as you could, as you think you want to. You know, Jesus, Jesus constantly modeled generosity, did he not? I mean, he had all these people, 5,000 men and their families, and they, they, they showed up with how much food to feed them. Five loaves, two fish. What do you do with that? Okay, don't tell anybody we have this, boys. That's enough for about 12 disciples and a rabbi, right? I mean, is that what he did? We got five loaves and two fish? I think he said, give it to them. You've got to think that's a model of generosity right there. He heralded generosity, the widow who came in the temple, and she gave the last thing. He said, there you go. There's what we're talking about right there. He commanded that we tithe. So, you know, you want to follow Jesus? Raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus. Seriously. You know, I, I want to follow. I want to, be a, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, then we need to pray. Okay, I'll pray. We need to be in the Word. Okay, I'll be in the Word. We need to be in fellowship. Okay, I'll be in a small group. We need to serve. Okay, I'll, we need to give our money. Uh, I don't have enough. Oh, part of the lie. God only wants a tenth of it, so you always have enough. If you have a dime, you have enough to give. All you need is ten cents in order to tithe. Did you know that? That's all you need. I want to talk to two, primarily two groups of people. First, to those of you who are so beautifully excelling in the grace of giving. You know who you are. We don't point you out. And you give. And faithfully. Faithfully. This is a part of your expression, your walk with Jesus. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. And not only for the money that you give that enables us to do everything here and around the world, but because you're an example of full discipleship. We need examples of people who are walking the whole thing out. So thank you. And I need to tell you, you're doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing. Those of you who were in India with us just two weeks ago, <laughs> you're doing a good thing if you could see these lives of these children. If you could see the faces of these four people we just prayed for. You're doing a good thing, so thank you. second group of people I want to talk to are those of you who, are, who want to be generous but can't seem to figure out how to get there. Now, I don't want to talk to those of you who don't want to be generous because you're not ready to hear anything from me. If you don't want to be generous, if you say, forget you, God has to do a work. I, I, got, I got nothing for you. I love you. You're welcome here. You, you know, it's not about your money. But I'm just saying, if you said, forget you in prayer, I'd say, well, I guess until God does a work in them, I don't have anything to give them, right? Does that make sense? So thanks for being here. But I want to talk to those of you who, you say, I'd like to be generous, but I can't figure out how. It's like, you don't get it, Tom. You don't know how hard it is at home. I want to be generous. 
I want you to understand three things. Ask me what the first one is. Understand that generosity is and always has been the genius of God's economic distribution system. Understand that generosity is and always has been, both parts of the Bible, the genius behind God's economic distribution system. Both the Old and the New Testament. Proverbs 14.31, it says this. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Wow. Well, I didn't mean to show contempt for God. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And I could give you dozens of references in the Old Testament. So this is, see, this is God's economic distribution system because the reality, we live in an unequal reality, don't we? We live in a very unequal reality. And so a distribution has to occur. And it doesn't mean that we're all going to be the same. That's not even biblical. But it means that no one is going to be hungry. It doesn't mean we're all going to be the same. That's socialism. That's not the Bible. I'm not going there. But the, the genius behind God's economic distribution system is inspiring generosity as an authentic expression of His grace in us. Also in the New Testament, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. You've got to work. And some of you say, I'd like to work, I'd like to get a job. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people, I'm not going to work. The Bible says you've got to work. Deal with it. Doing something useful with his own hands. Look, look at the why, though. That he may have something to share with those who need, in need. So the, the Bible says that, that God says that we all have to work so that we can have something, so that we can be part of the economic distribution system of God. Not just to take care of ourselves. If a person refuses to work, they're refusing not only to take care of themselves, but to be a part of God's economic distribution system to others. You get that? Sure you do. You know, imagine the resources that the church would have in this if everybody tithed. Statistics tell us that, that the uh, average, catch this, average evangelical Christian, that means kind of people like us who are kind of into it, gives somewhere between 3 and 4% of their income to the church. 3 to 4%, average. Some of you don't give anything. Some of you tithe, and some of you more than tithe. That's what averages out to 3 and 4 But think about this. So, if everybody tithes, let's say that we're average, and we're receiving 3% of the, of the income. So, roughly a third of the tithe. Imagine if everybody tithed, and we had three times as much income as we have as a church when we're already doing the things that we are here and around the world with a third of the potential, what? It's about a million dollars a year to run this place. What? Yeah. It's about a million bucks a year to run this place. A little over $900,000. So just imagine that if because of, you know, 3.5% of the income, a third of what we could, we, we can run this place on, imagine if we had 3 million, what would we do with the other 2 million? Name it. And one of the things that we could do is that we could take care of the people in need. Sometimes people in church come to us and say, I'm in need, and we're like, we have such limited capacity. But if we can do it, catch this, if we can do what we're doing on a third of the potential, if everybody tithes, we would have all this left to be, how can we bless the world? How can we take care of even our poor, our struggling, our unemployed, even? You see, the government has taken over the role of the church. 
And the reason they can do that is because they can tell you how much you're going to give. And you can't really argue back, can you? Are, you? are you feeling what I'm saying? God's economic distribution system is not the United States government. God's economic distribution system is the generosity of the church. And if everybody in this church tithes, assuming that we're running 3 or 4%, well, I have no way to know. We don't ask you to turn in your, your income statements. But assuming that we are, what would we do with all that? But be a blessing. I'm dreaming now. Understand that that's what's happening, you know. God wants, God wants to bless the world through you. Number two, understand that the first 10% of everything we ever make doesn't even belong to us. It's not ours. It belongs to God. This is something called a tithe, T-I-T-H-E. It's an Old Testament word that means a tenth. A tenth. A tenth. T-E-N-T-H. So that 10%, it's understood in both the Old and New Testament that the first 10% of anything that we ever earn, the Bible says, don't think that you've earned this by the work of your own hands. It's by, it's by the grace of God and the Spirit of God giving you the strength to do it. And he says the first 10% doesn't even belong to us. It's God's. But you see the genius of this? Because all you have to make is 10 cents and you're in. And a penny belongs to God. But if you make a dollar, a dime belongs to God. If you make a hundred dollars, ten dollars belongs to God. It's God's. It belongs to God. And the Bible says that when we don't render it to God, the words of the Bible, is, it's as though we are robbing God. Look at this next slide. The Bible says, God's speaking, He says, you are robbing me. You're robbing. He says, you're taking something from me that is mine. I gave it to you for what purpose? For the first thing, as my economic distribution system. He doesn't want it. He doesn't need it for himself. He gave you $100 so that $10 could be used in generosity. You get this? But he says, when you don't do that, you rob me. Words of the Bible. Now he says, now bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house so much to teach, not enough time. Test me in this, says the Lord. He says, go ahead, make my day. He says, test me. Give me a try. And see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough for it. He says, try me. We have to understand that the teaching of the Bible is that the first 10% isn't ours. As followers of Jesus, it doesn't even belong to us. And so that when we don't render it in the way that God gave it to us, we are robbing God. That doesn't sound like a good relationship. Did you ever steal from your parents? I don't know if a person gets over that. That can't be a good thing. That can't be a good day in your relationship with your parents if you steal from them. And maybe they'll forgive you, but you know things are never going to be quite the same, are they? And yet in America we live in this you know, thing that we say, I'll give however much I feel or however much I can afford. And the Bible says, no, the first 10% isn't yours. And some of you people are, always say to me when I preach this, they say, oh, you're preaching Old Testament. Are we bound to Old Testament? No, you know, I guess we're not. So do the New Testament. Read the book of Acts where it says, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. 
Read the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, where it says, No one considered anything that they had was their own. Suddenly 10% sounds pretty good, doesn't it? In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus said, he was talking to the uh, Pharisees, and he says, you guys tithe down to the last mint leaf. He says, you like, you pick your tithe, and he's like, no, that, one, that one's mine. That's, I'm not going to give any more to God than what he demands. And he says, well, that doesn't sound good, but he said, this you should have done, and much more. So to try to argue with the Bible in saying that tithing is an Old Testament concept, you've got to take on Jesus, and let me tell you, your arms are too short to box with God. He said, you should have tithed, and he said, much more. And look at what the first century church did. They took that to extremes. They went nuts in generosity. And it says, and there were no needy persons among them. This has a critical implication and a practical application for our lives, our lifestyle choices. Let's do some math. Go ahead and groan. More math! Math. No talking. Let's do some math. Let's talk about your, your income. Okay? There are 1,114,653 people who live in Franklin County. Last time I counted. Okay. The, the average, I should say, the median family income is $53,472. Some of you are going like, 53000 Holy smokes! And you're saying, some of you are going, I don't make that. And some of you are going, I could never live on that. That's what makes it median. Okay? So $53,417. Well, let's just be generous and round that down for the sake of my math to 50000 And you can... Apply this to any number you want. 50,000. Okay? Now, if the tithe is 10% and it isn't ours anyway, how much, how do you determine a tithe? Really easy, guys. Maybe no one ever showed you this. You erase one zero. Now, obviously, you have to move the comma, too, right? So, in this case, five thousand is the tithe, so that person has forty-five thousand dollars left, right? Am I going too fast? Now, you got the taxes thing, right? You gotta pay your taxes, right? And Jesus even said, You give to God what's God's, and you give to Caesar what's Caesar's. He recognized that. We live in a tax based culture. We have to pay our taxes. Now, we could pick a number. It's some X percent. Uh, you know, we, I think we'll pick 20%. Some of you pay more. If you're a GOP presidential candidate, you pay less. But uh, you, let's, say, let's say it's 20%. Okay. Now, 20% of 50,000, quickly, somebody. 10,000, good, you may go. $10,000 you're going to have to pay in taxes. What does that leave you left? What? $35,000. This is your, as a believer, as a, as a Christian, as somebody who says, I'm serious about following Jesus, this is your standard of living income. This is where you begin. 
thinking about where you're going to live, what you're going to drive, if you're going to have a cell phone, whether you need cable. This is where you begin. You don't begin here and fill it all up and go, oh, I can't tithe. Oh, crap, I can't pay my taxes. You do this first, and then you begin here. And this is part of God's plan for you. If God set it up that he says, the first ten is mine, and you live in a tax-based culture, so you're going to pay this, God has given you enough so that this number determines your neighborhood. And I know the bank will deal with you on this number, or whatever that number is. And so, but when you do that, you're living outside of the will of God so much, not, so, not, not just that you're not being generous, but you're not even living in the right neighborhood. Are you getting this? This is the money that you have to decide about. Bless you. And you know the bank... You can get credit cards, you can get car loans, you can get it all based on the top number, whatever your top number is. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, that is part of the devil's scheme to keep you from becoming a fully authenticated disciple of Jesus. Some of you have walked into that thing and you go, how are you going to get out now? I got all this credit card debt, how am I going to get out now? God has a plan for you. Financial Peace University... We offer it here over and over and over again, and hundreds in this church have been set free from credit card debt, unsecured debt. Raise your hand if you've been part of that process. Look around. But you need to understand that what I'm talking about has very practical implications and applications. But the thing I really want you to get this morning is the third thing about that I want you to understand. Understand that the core of generosity is grace not law. It's not law. It's the grace. It's, it's how God wants to work through you in grace. You know, I see so many lovely expressions of grace in so many of you. God works in you and you're different people. Chip, I couldn't stand you before. Now we're buds, you know? Not really. I could always stand you. But I see God working through you. I see God working through people. I see God working, you know, working in you and expressions of grace. And that's what we're on the planet for. You know, whether it be to share your faith with another or share your money with the church. It's the same expression of grace. I've known many Christians who are tithing legalists. And they, I don't think they mean to be. They've just heard this. They've heard this message given as a way of trying to raise funds. You know, we're going to work with whatever we get. The more we get, the more we're going to do. The less we get, the less we're going to do. That's it. I do not lie awake at night wondering about how much money we're going to get in the offerings. So what we get is what we get. I'm not trying to raise funds. And some, of, some people are victims of, of preaching that says, you better give 10% because somebody's trying to support the budget. If you don't give anything, I just go away. I go get a job somewhere. I don't know what I do, but I'll go get a job somewhere. And, it, and the place comes, becomes a different place. We do what we, what we have the capacity to do. But some of you are victims of that where you've been, you've been you know, just harangued to give because you owe God 10%. And I'm not saying... Uh, you know, I've, had, I've had Christians say to me, I'd be afraid not to tithe. And I'd say, what do you mean? 
They say, I'd be afraid if I stopped tithing, bad things would happen to me. What a pitiful perspective. What a pitiful perspective. It's that if you don't tithe, the good things aren't going to happen because the, it's, a, it's an avenue of grace. You are restricting an avenue of grace. It's about grace, not about law. So Paul could command that in verse 7, that next slide. Paul could command that. He said, but as you excel in everything, see also that you excel in the grace of giving, not the law of giving. It's just a critical understanding. Because some of you want to tithe, and you're like, yeah, but I can't. I don't have the money to tithe. I need to tell you something. Not tithing is never a matter of finances. Never. If you have a dime, you can tithe. If you have 10 cents, you can tithe. It's never a matter of finances. And here's one of the devil, things the devil does for you. When you get your raise, then you'll start tithing. If you made 20% more, if you made 30% more, if you made 40% more, if you made something more, then you could tithe. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I know that's been a common, common theme. And the reality is, it never happens. Because it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of the grace of God being permitted to work in you fully. And so if you're a person who says, I want to do this, Tom. I really do. But I can't. It's not about trying harder. It's about presenting yourself to God like in everything else and saying, God, I need your grace for this. Give me. It's the grace of giving. It's the grace of giving. The grace of giving. You know, I want to do this, God. So I want to pray. You need grace. I want to share my faith. You need grace. I want to serve God. You need grace. I want, to wor- I want to become a worshiper. I see all these people getting with it around here on Sundays. And I can't. How do I get there? Do I just try? You need grace. Grace of God. You need- whatever the lack is in your life, whatever the lack is in your life, you need grace. Can you imagine how much grace Karen must require to live with me? Think. Think. Think about this. Poor creature. She must just throw herself headlong at the feet of Jesus every day. Oh, Lord. Unless I have grace. And that's true of any lack in our life. Any recognized lack. So about trying harder? What about habitual sin? I can't get free from that. Try it. You need grace. You need grace. Remember a couple weeks ago I talked about the goodness of God and how you can access the goodness of God as a believer and bring it in? Grace of God is the same way. You need grace. Worship team, why don't you come on up and why don't you start playing that uh, whatever we're doing next. Grace like rain. Let's just put, could you play that? Come on up. Where are they? Where do those guys go? The last one to know. I guess just you and me, Kev. Sorry. I don't need those guys. Never did. I want you to still your heart if you can and, and just quiet your heart now. I don't want you to go away mad. 
Always talking about money. I don't want your money. I want your life. I don't want your money. I want so much more than that. I want your life. I want the early hours of every day when you wake up and try to teach you to seek Jesus. I want your life. How do you give your life to Jesus? Grace. Many churches, I suppose, on their money Sundays hand out some kind of a pledge card and give you an opportunity to write down how much you're going to give and turn it in. That's fine. That's not what we do. How do you get grace from God? You, you begin by realizing that He wants to give it. He wants to give it. He wants. He's good. He's full of grace. You know, if He, were gonna, if he was going to punish you for disobedience, you'd be dead by now. Am I right? You'd be over. Lights out. And you come to God like this, Oh God, I'm so sorry I haven't tithed. I, I just think of this so bad. What if you just want to say, God, I need grace for this. I want to do this. I want to, I want to see your generosity poured through me in every way. I need grace. You have to understand that it's what God wants to do. Some of you have been reading the Bible thing and you've got into Genesis and you realize Genesis 1 and 2, there's this beautiful creation and God says, it's good. You notice that over and over again. He says, this is good, this is good. Then you get to Genesis chapter 3 and humans screw it all up. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a murder. And in Genesis chapter 6, six, there's a flood. And in Genesis chapter 11, they build a tower so they can be bigger than God. And, and they just screw the whole thing up. And then Genesis chapter 12, here's God's response to the major screw-up of humanity. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's the intent of God is to bless through Abraham. Who came from Abraham? Jesus. Jesus. It screwed it up so badly and God's big response was I'm going to bless you just come I want to give you grace I want to give you what I have not what you deserve just come you need grace for some aspect of your life maybe, maybe this generosity thing maybe something entirely different you need grace come get up from where you are right now come flood in up here Seek God. Don't sit there. Come up. There's you've identified some area of your life. I need grace. Just come. Just come. I need grace in my life. I want to be a full, full disciple of Jesus. Just come on up. That's how we're going to do ministry today. We're just going to let you come. Just put yourself before God and, and you can do whatever you want when you get here.